Good morning, Washington. It is November the 20th, and it is day number four of impeachment hearing day in Washington. And I will be live covering, as will many uh, news reporters, journalists, opinion writers, pundits from not just here in the United States, but around the globe. Yesterday's testimony was, in a word, riveting uh, with uh, Ambassadors Volker and Mr. Morrison, riveting in the sense that Ambassador Volker once again amended his testimony to recall something that he had previously testified did not happen. And he's, of course, now remembering that there were discussions about this Ukraine deal, uh, money for arms, money for military assistance, if and when uh, the Bidens uh, were investigated and that investigation was announced and made public. Uh, Today's testimony, however, I think is going to be core and central to what happens next. Ambassador Gordon Sondland, who uh, in a sense replaced uh, Marie Yovanovitch, uh, he's now the Chard d'Affaires, and um, he uh, was a million-dollar donor to President Trump's campaign. That's not unusual that rich men and women who donate lots of money get the posh ambassador jobs. Uh, that kind of dates back to the early 20th century, go back to President John F. Kennedy's father, Joseph Kennedy, who was appointed ambassador to the court of St. James uh, back during uh, the pre-World War II a period uh, when President Kennedy was a young man uh, studying in college at Harvard. So uh, that's not new. But what is new is that uh, Sondland has changed his testimony, and it's going to be interesting to see what he does today and uh, what he says, because if he flat out admits that they had a scheme, a plan called extortion, called bribery, doubt those words will be used, that In point of fact, uh, they made clear to the Ukrainian president, the new president, by the way, that if they wanted the 400 plus million dollars that the Congress had already appropriated to be released, they were going to need to open an investigation into quote unquote corruption against Joe Biden and his son Hunter, and that that was a condition. And folks, if that in fact happened, and all the evidence I've seen says it absolutely happened, you know, look, uh, when you are in a crime syndicate when you are into nefarious activity. It's very rare that the co-conspirators, that the people who are a part of the scheme, sit around and speak out loud and use words like bribery, use words like we're going to extort, use words like we're going to do X, Y, or Z. People aren't that dumb, folks. So it's very important that you pay attention to these hearings, that you're judging as the American people for yourself that you are deciding who we're going to be. Because at the end of the day, whether or not this president is impeached, whether or not this president is removed, really is only one part of what happens at the ballot box in November 2020, when we will elect a new president, when we will elect a new Congress, when we will elect new governors and senators, et cetera, et cetera. So it is incumbent upon we the people We, the people who form this union, to be clear that we are informed, engaged, and self-governing. That we do not let the lobbyists and the fat cats and the rich ambassadors and the men with money in this country uh, move the pieces and control things to their own pleasure and to their own graft and gratuity. That's not who we want to be. But let's not be naive. It's been going on forever. Uh, The purpose of 
today's podcast, though, uh, I wasn't able to do uh, Motivation Monday, which is always very popular, and my apologies. I continued to uh, try to get uh, our guests overseas who are in the military. Uh, we're going to have on Colonel Miles Caggins, as I mentioned, uh, but we're dealing with a day time zone change. We're dealing with uh, uh, an officer in a military zone, so we always want to be mindful of um, safety and security. And so when we can do that in a safe and secure way, we will make it happen. Um, Heidi Prisbala, Joyce Vance, and others uh, are going to be guests on this podcast. We are all tied up in Washington right now, as you can imagine, with the impeachment hearings, with writing about it, reporting on it, speaking on television about it, and analyzing it. So uh, I was unable to do Motivation Monday because uh, I've been fighting uh, another cruddy cold And uh, I highly recommend Alka-Seltzer cold and flu because it works, and I swear by it. So if you're not feeling great, get yourself some. It'll make you feel better. Uh, But I really wanted to uh, stop by, again, in the context of where we find ourselves as a nation. The more that I read social media, the more that I read the news, I actually still read newspapers. I get one delivered to my house every day, the Washington Post. And um, I kind of wanted to talk about this notion of how divided we are, because we are really, really divided. To say that America is divided right now um, is is really an understatement. Um, I don't know that I'd go as far as we're as divided as we were in the 1860s uh, pre-Civil War, but I think we're close. And I think that uh, it was ironic yesterday that uh, President Lincoln's Uh, Gettysburg address was on display. It was the 156th birthday of the Gettysburg address. And, uh, of course, President Lincoln delivered it on November 19, 1863, at the dedication services on the battlefield where uh, the Gettysburg uh, address was birthed and where the Gettysburg battle was fought. It was one of the bloodiest days of the Civil War. It was a decisive day. Uh, giving the North the upper hand and ultimately leading to the South's surrender. And uh, it was a day that uh, really sat with President Lincoln because of the massive loss of life. And Lincoln wrote these words that I think are are worth remembering uh, here uh, this morning. And As we go into yet another hearing and as we go into yet another set of testimony that will uh, be upsetting, Um, it's upsetting to hear that the president of the United States and ambassadors that are sworn to uh, protect the interests of the United States were engaging in uh, behavior that at best was reckless and irresponsible, at worst was extortion, bribery, high crimes, and misdemeanor with respect to uh, a foreign nation and uh, soliciting that foreign nation to uh, get engaged in our political process, which the Founding Fathers expressly prohibited and expressly feared could happen. And that's why they put in the impeachment clause in Article 2, Section 4. I want to read a little of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address because I think it would help us to remember Uh, from whence we came, and to what kept this union united, and to uh, what President Lincoln did to preserve the unity of the republic and not allow it to be two separate nations. They fought a great war over this. Uh, He held to the line. He ultimately paid with his life 
uh, once the war was over. Uh, and uh, I thought about that this morning and thought I just wanted to remind us that we've been through darker times. Um, I also want to say to the Republican members of Congress, you took an oath. Your oath was not to Donald Trump. Your oath was not to any president. Your oath was to the Constitution of the United States. Your oath was to protect and defend the Constitution above all enemies, foreign and domestic. This is a serious process. It is not, in my judgment, as someone who was a committee counsel who was on Capitol Hill during the time Bill Clinton was impeached. I thought that impeachment was a sham, and I'm a Republican, and I thought it was a sham because I don't think we should use the powers afforded in the Constitution to impeach a president and overturn an election, potentially, unless there are true high crimes and misdemeanors, and unless there is a true national security interest that a president has sold out the country, that a president has engaged with foreign actors uh, in election interference in some kind of way. That is sacrosanct uh, to who we are. It's a violation of the Emoluments Clause. It's a violation of everything we hold dear. And so I think that this process is disturbing because we're talking about overseas activities. We're talking about an ally in Ukraine that is vulnerable to Russia, uh, that uh, fought long and hard like a lot of countries to be free from the former Soviet bloc. Uh, Crimea was at issue during the 2016 campaign. It's why President Obama cut ties uh, when Putin tried to go in. And it is uh, something that came up in the election, and President Trump thought about even reversing that policy, which would have been devastating to Ukraine. And so put yourself in the place of the Ukrainian president and people. You are a small country. You are a country that is given to corruption and oligarchs. You're trying to modernize, you're trying to become a democracy, and yet you need a lot of money uh, to build your military. You need a lot of money to protect yourself. And if you can't do that, you're gonna find yourself in a very difficult position. So where do you go? What do you do? Would you then agree to do whatever it takes to get the money? Probably so. And so I want to encourage you again to watch the hearings for yourself. I want to encourage you again to um, sit, um, listen, take notes. If you don't understand something, do a Google search on a term. Watch the demeanor. Watch the sobriety and the seriousness of the members. It's not a joke. This is not a circus. It is not all the things that uh, Vice Chairman of the Committee, Nunez, was saying yesterday, deeply disappointed in his conduct. It was unbecoming of a member of Congress. This is serious, and it should be handled in a serious matter. You don't have to agree, but have a, a clear and focused study of the facts. Listen to the testimony. Ask serious questions. And, and go forward from there. But I want to just uh, read a little bit of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, some of the parts that I, I really love. And I just want to leave you with this this morning to remember that we've had worse times. Uh, we've been more divided and that we still came through it. So I know that we can come through it again. And here's what President Lincoln delivered on the morning of November 19th, 1863 at Gettysburg, which is now Gettysburg College and uh, on the battlefield. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty 
and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that the government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. Well, that's actually the whole Gettysburg Address. It's very short. And President Lincoln was wrong because we do remember. We remember 156 years later. We remember. And in our remembering, we are called once again as members of Congress, as citizens, as leaders, as executives, as the judiciary, all those great institutions that they enshrined in the Constitution, we took an oath. We the people take an oath every time we go to the ballot box. We participate in our liberty, in our freedom, in this democracy. And I want to encourage you not to look away, not to do the easy thing and just listen to some news station that you like. Sit down, listen, put your earbuds in at work while you're working and listen to the testimony if you can't watch it. Listen. You are a citizen of this great republic. This is your America. And you have a right to know what those that you have elected and those who have been appointed to serve are doing. Take that seriously, soberly, and respectfully. And I am sure that this will all turn out the way it should, that those who took an oath will honor the oath, and that whatever way this pans out, America will learn and we'll go forward better and wiser. God bless you this morning. Uh, God bless the United States of America this morning. Uh, most importantly, God bless the people who are serving abroad, our soldiers, our ambassadors, our envoys. Uh, bless them and keep them. Thank you. Good morning. Today is Friday, November 22nd, 2019. 
56 years ago on this day, November 22, 1963, President John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the nation's 35th president, was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. His death still remains in many ways a mystery. Conspiracy theories abound. Lee Harvey Oswald, officially charged with the murder of the president, was never tried at trial and was also assassinated himself just two days after the president. We'll probably never know the truth about what happened to America's 35th president. But I thought as the author of Eplorbus One and as someone who has been a big JFK fan her entire life, politics aside, he was a president that many were fascinated by. Young, good-looking, a beautiful wife, a beautiful family. Came from one of America's storied Irish Catholic families. In fact, the most storied, the most successful, the Kennedys. But for those that are under, let's say, age 30, November 22, 1963 probably has little meaning. But for a generation that survived the turbulent 1960s and then realized the American dream in the 1970s and 1980s, the events of that Friday in November remain crystal clear. The assassination of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy in downtown Dallas shook the nation. The death of a president is a grievous thing. It is a serious thing. It is one that is something we don't like to imagine. Whether a president dies in office like Franklin Roosevelt or whether a great president is assassinated as was Abraham Lincoln at Ford's Theater right after the Civil War, the death of a president is serious. And that is because the presidency is serious. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment and what that means as we are in the somber process literally right now of impeaching a president of the United States and sending the impeachment materials over should the House decide to do so, which I think we all suspect they will, to the Senate for a vote, removal, or remain in office. Time will tell what will happen. But to reflect a little on what happened 56 years ago today, I'm 52, so I was not yet alive when President Kennedy was shot. But if I were to ask my mother and father right now, where they were on that day, they can both tell me if I was to call my almost 90-year-old maternal grandmother, who's the only grandparent I have left, and ask her about that day, she can tell me exactly where she was. Uh, my aunts, who are uh, my mother's younger sisters and my father's sisters, can all tell me uh, where they were. Kennedy's motorcade was traveling through Dallas around 12.30 p.m. Central Time. As the car carrying Kennedy passed the Texas School Book Depository, gunfire rang out and shot across Dealey Plaza. If you've ever been to Dealey Plaza, as I have a number of times, the way it looks on television, it looks big. It looks like this big, massive area. It's really not. It's quite small. It's quite tight. And if you were going to assassinate someone, it would be the perfect spot because there's really nowhere for them to go. Kennedy was struck in the head and the neck. About 30 minutes later, the 35th president was pronounced dead. For those who were in the car, namely his beautiful wife Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy, uh, Texas Governor John Connolly and others, they all believe the president died instantly. And all one has to do is look at the infamous Zapruder film. Poor Abraham Zapruder taking a moment off with his staff to go out and watch a president wave and trying out his new 8mm camera, and for some miracle of God, 
or perhaps it was God. Me as a person of faith always believes that God is always in the mix and misses nothing that we do down here on earth as mortals. Abraham Zapruder was taking his film and at the moment of President Kennedy's death with the fatal headshot, that moment was captured, all of it, on film. And of course that film became famous, Life Magazine purchased it, uh, it is now in the National Archives, I believe, um, and uh, it changed everything because we saw in living color the death and the murder and the assassination of a president. As uh, we reflect on where we are right now, I thought it was important to just talk a little bit about the presidency. Uh, if you haven't read the Constitution lately, or if you've never read it, go pick up a copy. You can get one anywhere. They sell pocket copies of the Constitution at Barnes & Noble. You can order them off of Amazon. They sell them in Christian bookstores. They sell them anywhere books and newspapers are sold. Go and open up the Constitution of the United States and go to Article 2, which is the article that governs the executive or the president in our form of governor government. Article 1 uh, governs the Congress. Uh, Article 3 is the courts, the judiciary. But Article 2 is the presidency. And the president in our form of government in a democratic republic is vested with power, but limited power. The Congress is vested with power of the purse, power to declare war. And so what the founders did was that they were very clear that they always wanted the power to rest closest to the people. So the people's representatives, meaning uh, the people, you and me, we the people of the United States, were always given the ability to check our leaders if they should become rogue, if they should do something unethical, if they should not vote the way we want them to as their constituents every two years in the House and every six years in the Senate, we could get rid of them. And I think the Constitution of the United States is one of the most brilliant documents ever written in the history of the world. Uh, the men, Madison and others, Jefferson and, and, and Washington, of course, all being there as they uh, debated and, and ratified the Constitution, um, all understood what oppression was like because they had uh, fought back against King George and they had rebelled. And in that rebellion, they created the amazing United States of America that we know right now. And they wrote a document that laid the foundation of, of who we uh, wanted to be. We were not a perfect union. We still had slavery. Women couldn't vote. Uh, we were then at the forming of our great nation, a country really of rich white landowner males, merchants and others who had means. But those men who wrote the document understood that it was still a government of, by, and for the people. Article 2 of the United States Constitution establishes the executive branch of the federal government, which carries out and enforces federal laws. Hard stop. So the president and the executive has an important role. He is to carry out and enforce the laws passed by the Congress. Article 2 vests the power of the executive branch in the office of the President of the United States. It lays out the procedures for electing and removing the President and establishes the President's powers and responsibilities and limitations. This is important to note. But what I think is important on this day is we remember the 35th President, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, who, again, uh, will always go down, I believe. He only had a thousand uh, days in office. 
But President Kennedy, I think, will be remembered for bringing in a new generation, uh, leaving the dowdy Eisenhower years, the 1950s, uh, leaving uh, behind the Truman and, and, and Roosevelt years of war, and bringing in an era of uh, charisma, uh, attractiveness, uh, energy, a vision, the new frontier, he called it. Uh, John F. Kennedy was the president that said, we shall go to the moon by the end of this decade. And America did. Unfortunately, he didn't live to see it. John F. Kennedy's wife, Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy, uh, undertook a restoration of the White House. Uh, their two small children running around were the first children to be in the White House since Teddy Roosevelt had been president with his a large number of children uh, from his second marriage. And um, the nation was just alive. It was the 1960s. The music had changed. It was Motown. Civil rights, women's rights, but mostly civil rights were on the front of every newspaper every day. Uh, there were the confrontations with Russia. My, how things don't change. Uh, there was the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, President Kennedy uh, presided over in his first literally months in office, the Bay of Pigs invasion, which failed miserably and threatened his presidency at the outset. But he recovered and he learned. And when the Cuban Missile Crisis came and Khrushchev tested him, as I believe Putin is testing America right now, his resolve, the resolve of his advisors, the resolve of world leaders, and the resolve of the Congress prevailed. And as we know, thank God, there was no missile crisis. There was no launch from the island of Cuba. Castro ultimately and Khrushchev had to back down and remove the missiles. But do yourself a favor today, particularly for those of you who are young who follow uh, this podcast, Google John F. Kennedy, read about him, uh, get some books about him and Jacqueline and the administration of Camelot, as it was called. There's some marvelous books. I have probably every one that was ever written. You can go into any Barnes and Noble and they have them everywhere. But on this day, again, 56 years ago, America lost her commander in chief. It was a dark day. It was a dark day because it was a reminder to all of us, as Kennedy said at his famous speech at American University, uh, where I attended law school. Um, and he was talking about, at that time, peace um, and building peace with Russia and a Pax Americana, as he called it. And uh, President Kennedy uh, really believed that um, America was exceptional. And hopefully we all believe that. But I think that one of his great lines in his speech talks about the reality of who we are and the reality that at the end of the day, he says, we are all mortal. We all inhabit this planet. We all breathe the same air. And he was talking about the fact that we have to decide what kind of America we're going to leave to our children. And I think that moment rings true loud. As I have watched and covered over these last um, weeks and indeed months with probably months to go now, as I'm pretty certain the House will return articles of impeachment against the president, I suspect there'll be three I'm not really sure uh, if there'll be more, but they should be an obstruction of Congress. There will be abuse of office, 
probably bribery and extortion, which certainly fall within high crimes and misdemeanors. We'll just have to see. But as we reflect on that moment, I want us to think about the world that we're leaving to our young people. What kind of value system are we passing on to them? What kind of moral system? What kind of love of our country? Or are we passing on a partisan food fight of name calling and bickering and division and anger and ugliness? You know, there used to be a time in this country, certainly when President Nixon was being considered for impeachment in 1973 and 74, there was a time in this country when Republicans and Democrats didn't care about their party. They cared about what was right. And there came a time when the Republicans on the Judiciary Committee, six of them, voted with the Democrats for articles of impeachment. And Republican senators went down to the White House, saw the president and said, sir, you're going to need to resign or you're going to not only be impeached, you're going to be removed from office. And President Nixon took heed and he resigned. I don't know that that would happen in this instance. And I don't know whether or not President uh, Trump's actions and behavior are something that should be impeachable or not impeachable from the standpoint of the Republican Party. But what I do know as a lifelong moderate Republican woman is that I've seen enough as a former committee counsel, as an American, and as a human being, that I know that I don't want the President of the United States conducting him or herself in this manner. I agree with former Congressman Lindsey Graham when he said, you have to clean the office. The president doesn't have to commit a crime. You should Google that and watch Lindsey Graham's speeches and his remarks as he was a House impeachment manager. And some of the very same people, Devin Nunez and others who uh, sought to impeach President Bill Clinton uh, for what he did, and his conduct was certainly immoral, it was certainly embarrassing, it was certainly inappropriate and out of order. I, for one, did not think it rose to the level of high crimes and misdemeanor. I always thought President Clinton should be censured because I thought his conduct defiled his office. Nevertheless, the Congress made a different judgment. But in this particular instance, we're dealing with foreign bribery of officials, foreign extortion of a vulnerable country like Ukraine. And you've listened to the testimony of some of our highest ranking ambassadors and officials, people who do nothing but serve us abroad. They sacrifice. They don't make a lot of money. I'd be surprised if they made over $150,000 a year. They sacrifice with their families. They're away. They're in foreign countries and aren't always kind to them. And that are sometimes downright hostile. Look at Benghazi, ended in the death of an ambassador and many of our people. And so we have to consider who we want to be. And I think although President Kennedy was not president long, and although he was uh, a president that, frankly, his time in office was unfinished, uh, he probably would have won a second term. At least that was the thought. And that's why he was in Dallas on that fateful day 56 years ago today, he was there on a political trip. He was there to mend fences. He was there to quell bickering uh, between Senator Jarborough and uh, others who were uh, Johnson, frankly, the vice president, who were not getting along and not playing ball as a team. It ended his life. It cost him his life. So we'll never know who John Kennedy might have been. But what we do know is we look back throughout history and 
uh, President Abraham Lincoln being assassinated and President Kennedy, uh, thank God, being the last U.S. president who was assassinated. We have had others who were attempted to be assassinated. President Ford in the 70s by a woman who was part of the Manson family. I think her name was Squiggy Frum or something like that. She tried to stab him and was unsuccessful. And of course, President Ronald Reagan, uh, John Hinckley, shot him outside of the Hilton on Connecticut Avenue in Washington, D.C., and almost killed him. Um, it was believed at first that the president wasn't hit, and it turned out that he was, in fact, hit. And uh, it was very serious. President Reagan was not a young man when he took office. He was almost 70 years old. And, uh, but he came through, he survived, and he served uh, two terms as president of the United States uh, before leaving office. So we've been blessed that we have not had a president um, hurt or harmed in 56 years or assassinated. I just wanted to uh, stop by this morning and, and say a word about President Kennedy and the presidency and the importance of the man or woman who holds that office being one of, of uh, good character, uh, of valor, of good judgment, of uh, soberness and sobriety and decision making, uh, one that we can trust, one that we like, one that we um, believe puts America first, one that we believe uh, can unite people across the board uh, on issues like civil rights, on issues of uh, great division and that aren't easily managed. I believe that the president should be a light around the world. President Kennedy, uh, his famous Ich bin ein Berliner speech at the wall, the wall that my father served on Checkpoint Charlie as a young soldier. I was born in Munich, Germany. And so at the end of the day, uh, we should remember who we are on this day. We should remember that we are fragile, that we're human, and that at any moment, everything can change. Uh, certainly in Dallas, the images of a beautiful first lady, uh, a young, handsome president waving at the crowds, top down, suntanned, everything's wonderful. And in literally several frames of a camera, there's a Pruder film. The president's life was over. The First Lady's life and her children's lives were forever changed. And the nation's heart was broken. And the world mourned President Kennedy. Heads of state came from all over the world. Princess, rather Queen Elizabeth at the time's husband, Philip, was sent to represent the queen herself. And indeed, if you watch season two of The Crown, there was an episode dedicated to the Kennedys and the meeting of uh, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip uh, with President Kennedy and Mrs. Kennedy. Fascinating episode indeed. Um, there are still books written about the Kennedys every year. Uh, the family is still with us. We still have uh, Representative uh, Patrick Kennedy, I believe, uh, who is uh, running, rather it's Joseph Kennedy. Patrick was a former representative. That's Teddy's son. But uh, Joe, Joe's son, who was Bobby's son, so Bobby's grandson, is a congressman now in Massachusetts, uh, holds his uncle's seat, John F. Kennedy's seat, and is running for the U.S. Senate, probably has a good shot of winning. So the Kennedys are still around. They're still engaged in public service 56 years later. And that's as it should be. Uh, on this day, I want to uh, call you to remember that you should always put your country first. You should always put patriotism first. You should always do what's right for America, not what's right for your party, not even what's right for you. It's about what's right so that this great republic that we formed in 1776 will continue to not just stand, 
but the republic will go on and it will thrive. This day is a somber day, not just because we remember a young, vibrant president who I believe was a great inspiration to the people of America, but because we remember that at this moment, 56 years later, there's a symbolism of what it means to be president of the United States as we consider impeaching the 45th president, 35th assassinated, 45th considered to be in danger of impeachment. I don't know how this is going to play out, uh, but I wanted to let you know that it matters who the president is. It matters what the character of the president is. It matters um, how the president conducts him or herself. It matters how the president engages leaders around the world. Does America keep her word or does America withhold aid contingent upon you doing us a favor though? You have to decide for yourself, but I want you to be engaged. 2020 is gonna be a big year. We have a big election. We have a presidential primary on the Democrat side. Going to be a lot to consider, and I suspect there will be a trial in the Senate. Whether it's long or short, I can't tell you, but it will probably start in January. So we'll start a new decade and a new year in a very somber and sad way. Let me end by saying that impeaching a president should never be a partisan exercise. Impeaching a president is the most serious thing we can overdo because we're, in essence, overturning an election. Some 63 million people, I believe, voted for President Donald John Trump. I was not among them, but I respect the fact that he won the election, that he won the Electoral College, which is the system that we use. We don't use a popular vote in America. I suspect that will change in the next decade. Nevertheless, he won the election. And although he's not my candidate, he is the president of the United States. And we all want him to succeed. We all want him to win because when he succeeds and he wins, We win and we succeed. But I am also convinced that I cannot support in good conscience. And if I were a member of Congress, I would vote to impeach. And if I were a senator, I would vote to remove because I've listened to every day of the hearings. I've covered them. I've written about them. And I believe that the evidence is overwhelming that the president abused the power of his office. I believe the evidence is overwhelming that the president has blocked Congress's right to certain information as Mr. Sondland, Ambassador Sondland testified about uh, certain documents that would be helpful that the State Department will not release, that the White House will not release. Where's Ambassador John Bolton? Where's the former NSC advisor, John Bolton? Why is he writing a $2 million book, but he won't talk to we the people? I can't answer that for you. But I know that Rudy Giuliani should not have been conducting foreign policy in Ukraine or with Russia or with any other entity. That's the job of the State Department. It was out of order. It was not what we do. It is not how we do it. We are better than this, as Representative Elijah Cummings said uh, when he was chairing government reform and oversight, my former committee. He's now deceased. And I just pray for America on this day. I pray as we remember the 35th president of the United States, that we remember how blessed we are to have this country, how blessed we are to be a constitutional republic, and how blessed we are to do what Americans do every day, to be a light, to be a beacon, to be a thread of unity, to be a protector, to be an intellectual, moral, a capitalist giant in the world, Uh, a nation that nations aspire to be like. I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. 
because the president matters. What he says matters. Attacking people on social media, arguing, fighting, being angry every day. That's not who we want to be, folks. I don't care if you're a Republican, independent, or independent rather, or or Democrat. It doesn't matter. That's not who we want to be. We are better than that. So I'll leave you with uh, some of the words of President John F. Kennedy. uh, And uh, they are uh, words that we have all heard before. And um, they come from his inaugural address. And I just wanted to read uh, a little bit for you. Um, And I I thought that this would be uh, appropriate. He says, um, We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom, symbolizing an end as well as a beginning signifying renewal as well as change. For I have sworn before you an almighty God, the same solemn call our forebears prescribed nearly a century and three quarters ago. The world is very different now. For man holds in his mortal hands the power to abolish all forms of human poverty and all forms of human life. And yet the same revolutionary beliefs for which our forebears fought are still at issue around the globe. The belief that the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. We dare not forget today that we are the heirs of that first resolution, revolution. Let the word go forth from this time and place to friend and foe alike that the torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans. Born in this century, tempered by war, disciplined by a hard and bitter peace, proud of our ancient heritage and unwilling to witness or permit the slow undoing of those human rights to which this nation has always been committed and to which we are committed today at home and around the world. Let every nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and success of liberty. This much we pledge and more. And then he goes down to say at the end, now the trumpet summons us again, not as a call to bear arms, though arms we need, not as a call to battle, though embattled we are, but a call to bear the burden of a long twilight struggle, year in and year out, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, a struggle against the common enemies of man, tyranny, poverty, disease, and war itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. My friends, November 22nd, 1963, America's 35th president was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. Those are his words. They echo still through time. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. God bless you, keep you, and God bless the amazing, wonderful, powerful, light, the United States of America. Thank you.